0: And Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast.
1: Good afternoon, Bobby. Have you got birds singing outside your window?
0: Yes, as a matter of fact, I I have. It is a relatively nice day out there today. The sun's trying to creep through, and there's a sense of spring in the air, which reminds me of one of my favourite poems by E. E. Cummings where he mm. talks about April creeping into the ragged meadow of my soul, which I always think about when I think of spring. The idea that you have good days and bad days and good days and bad and then they eventually get much better. And, uh, mm. you know, y- your ragged meadow becomes more uh, delightful.
1: You've just reminded me of E. e. Cummings. What's the one that goes... At drama school, we did an e, e. Cummings play, which went da 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 dums defunct and dead, and all the yes. letters. and the, yes. what's that 's it
0: i can 't remember but yeah I know the one you mean he 's wonderful
1: yeah, from um Cambridge went to Harvard, quite a bright person at e. e Cummings
0: I used to um keep a book of his poetry uh, in my room to impress girls
1: <laughs> that 's exactly the kind of thing you'd do,
0: yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. did the most academic ones fall in
1: line and think you 're amazing, or was it actually ones who were Never ever going to be into poetry.
0: Now that now that I think back on it, it was never the successful ploy that I hoped mm, it was going to be. Mm, but there we are. Yeah,
1: I mean it's quite niche. You know, other people try. <laughs> <laughs> other people say, "Do you want to go for a drink?" You know, coffee can work, te- cake, but no. You thought you'd have an E coming. I you did. See, if you played the guitar, that would have been all right.
0: I know. I, I should have just taken up the guitar rather than immerse myself in uh, modern poetry but occasionally it was effective.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm now thinking if I ever used anything to try to chat people up. I think it was... Um, you? You? Yeah, I, don't think I,
0: had, I didn't have any ploys. You did? Uh, would you, you like did. to go for a walk? No, no. You had lots of ploys. It, it was sort of talking to people about tarantula eggs. And um, There
1: you go. Weird facts. There fact.
0: you go. Yeah, that's it. Weird facts. That was your ploy. Weird
1: facts, yeah. which I got out of my Michael Caine book. Crazy <laughs> but true. And he had another one called... A lot of people might know this, but don't know this, but, or something
0: terrible. For no, us, it was called n- Not A Lot Of People, lot know, of people this. know This. Not A Lot Of People Know
1: This. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, look, our, our serious listeners who actually want to get value are going, oh, okay, yes. cut that stuff so we will. So we are going to focus on something that is very topical, very important. It's our top 10 tips today on how to sell things at higher prices. But we're going to make a distinction before we
0: start, Bob's The distinction is we're not talking necessarily about selling things that are at a high price, i.e. they're a high-priced item. We are making the distinction that in a time of economic uncertainty, when lots of different prices are increasing, therefore we, as people who sell stuff, need to have a confidence in what we sell things for so it's it's really selling at increasing prices that's what yes, we're looking that's at
1: that's nice now if you're listening in you're in a b2b world or a b2c world nearly all the principles will apply some you're going to know and you'll go oh that's a good point because actually it's a sales discipline and approach that shouldn't really ever leave you that's right so we're going to kick off we're going to go to the master actually bit of Zig Ziglar action Oh, so Zig. I'm going to give you the quote, Bobby, then I want you to expand. So Zig said, you're never really going to sell something to anybody unless you believe it is worth far more to them than the price they are paying you for it. So what, why is this so important? Can you help our listeners?
0: Well, the other thing that Zig said, which is linked to it, is that sales is a transference of feeling. And I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. If I'm looking at you, selling to you, and you really believe Mm. that I believe that this thing is right for you, then you're more likely to buy it. If I can then say, look, this thing I'm trying to sell you gives you all of this benefit worth way more to you than the money you're paying me for it, Mm. then you're even more likely to buy it. And I think that's the key here, that belief in what you are selling and the price you are selling it for must hinge on the concept that the benefit to the customer, the advantages to the customer will be way, 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 way more in excess of what they're actually paying you for.
1: We should say salespeople who are struggling, it's often a belief problem. There's only other three gaps, skills gaps, knowledge gaps, and attitude gaps. But if you don't believe in what you're selling, you're going to have a tough ride. True. So we're going to come in with number two. These aren't actually in an order. Now, number two, no, no. in the 21 years we have been training salespeople, this one is shockingly lacking in their language, their conversation. with us. So let's talk about ROI, which stands for return on investment. So if I'm selling you something, Bob, I've got to be clued up about how you're going to get your money back because otherwise you're seeing it as a cost and not as an investment. And one brilliant tip that dear old Keith Clark, who was one of my managers at Yellow Pages, said to me is, when you go back on your second meeting, Jeremy, you're selling to the accountant. Lovely that you're a nice personable chap, or try to be, but you should really go back and talk about the money side of things and how they're going to get their money back from this advertising. So Bobby, any more on ROI or any other things that can really help our listeners with this?
0: You can only really understand an ROI if you understand what the other side is doing. So if it's a business, so we're a good example. We sell sales training and we find out that a company sells things for a £1,000 And we want to sell themselves training for a £1,000, let's say. And we want to show them how they're going to get that 1000 back quickly from selling more of those things. So that's very easy for B2B because we're a business, they're a business. You put the comparison in. For consumers, it's slightly harder because a consumer doesn't always see it as an investment. Mm -hmm. But actually, you could use it just as easily for clothes. You know, there's that old adage about it's cost per wear. So you buy a really fantastic coat that costs you hundreds. But if you're going to wear it for five years, then actually, pound for pound, it's costing you less than a a coat that costs you 20 quid and lasts you a single season. So, you know, there is that element of you're investing in something which is going to give you a gain.
1: Well, we're just coming up, you know, spring is definitely here today, really glorious here. Mm. Here in Blighty, if you're listening in another country, we go kind of nuts in a couple of weeks where we all go in our gardens for the first time and rip things about and try and drill things into gateposts or whatever depending on the size of space we've got so buying a lawnmower how many years will you own this for and cut the lawn for how many years will you you know enjoy this herbaceous border plant it's the same principle now and at number three objection handling now I don't think we're going to do all of our different systems but I think we should talk about the fact that what most people do in fact well let's let me demonstrate just give me an objection and we'll just use the first thing that most people do
0: so what is it what is it trying to sell me
1: so this planter, Bob, mm-hmm. um, this, they're, they're very like Belfast sinks, as you can see. So this will mm. go in your garden. Mm. Quite literally, this can be handed down to the next generation. It will remain yeah. as a planter and it will yeah. moss up and be beautiful. That's why they're £750 Ooh. each. Oh,
0: mm, no, that's,
1: that's a bit too much for me. Well, look, if you like, I'll help you carry it in the boot of your car and I can do it for 700 Mm, No, it's still too much.
0: Okay. Um, do you want this planter for 675 if you did it for five fifty, I'd give you the cash now. Ooh,
1: I couldn't do it for five fifty
0: because. We okay, well, don't worry. I'll go. That's all I, right. I,
1: I, I, uh. So, what is my method? I'm doing discounting. No skill involved in that. And mm. how many people all over our fair isle and across the world have no idea about actually handling objections? So, if it's a skill that's lacking, you're not going to be able to command the opportunity of buying things at higher prices without actually objection handling.
0: The key to handling a price objection is to be able to reiterate the value. That is the absolute key here. People are entitled to think that something's expensive. We need to make sure they actually understand the value they're getting. That's how you handle objections rather than discounting.
1: And that links beautifully to number four, which is what people want these days. And they've probably always wanted, but for years we haven't done it so well. And it's even more important now is they want a personalized recommendation, mm-hmm. a personalized proposition a personalized advice so that personalization of you and your house and where you're living and based on telling me about how you package these sandwiches in the in the factory you're going to need so if it doesn't feel personalized and it's just an off-the-shelf product or an off-the-shelf service solution it really why should i pay that for yeah. it you know why why should i pay you a higher price for it It's got to be personalized
0: you're listening to bob and jeremy's Conflab. If you like our sales-based content, please look up our other episodes such as Sales Maxims, Sales Managers, Sales Meeting Accompaniment, Selling Things at a Higher Price, How to Be a Sales Leader Right Now, Sales Bonuses, Do They Motivate Sales People, Does All Selling Begin With an Email, The Best Sales Films, and many other sales-based podcasts. Please look them up and have a listen. Which now leads us on to number five. Why should we all pay higher prices for things at the moment? Well, as we have seen in the last few months, there is a, a world crisis taking place, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Prices go up over time. Inflation at two percent means that prices go up all the time. Every year they're going to go up. If your inflation is running at seven, eight, nine, ten percent, prices are you know doubling in a very few years, and so it suddenly becomes. A fact that prices are going to continue to increase. This is a fact of life. If you think back to pre-pandemic, and the way that the travel industry was slaughtered through the pandemic, of course, we're all going to have to pay more for travel going forward, because there are less companies, there's high demand, the price is going to go up. So prices are going up. That is a fact.
1: I mean, lots of industries in this country have been particularly marked the price of a secondhand used car. Is holding its value because there just isn't the supply—the classic supply and demand. So the other thing is we don't know. There's crisis taking place in, in the world, energy problems. This price you're complaining about now, it may still go higher, which leads us very swiftly on to a sort of physical or mental aspect, which is simply the tip. You're here now, so you've taken the time and energy to come and discuss this with us. We've made this proposal. This is the price. That is the price it's going to remain because I've done proper objection and so on. You're here now. Let's get on with it because the time it takes to go back and begin again is huge.
0: And also the cost of going somewhere costs these days, you know, especially with petrol prices going up. Of course it is. Now, we just missed one there, actually, which is in some cases you're selling at a higher price and some people will query that. It may be that what you're selling will be so useful and effective for them. That whilst it's more than they were hoping to pay for this particular item, it may mean that they will pay less or not need other items. And so that's the other way to Mm, think about it. Yes, this is going to cost you £100 more, but it's going to save you £200 and other things you're not going to need. Well, then it's a no-brainer. And so that also becomes important.
1: And this came out of one of our books, The Perfect Storm, is you're paying more for this washing machine, but you can wash everything at a lower temperature. So your energy bill's reduced, the speed cycles are reduced, you can wash on 20 degrees C rather than 30, 40, 50. So you may put an installation into your business, which means that everything else doesn't need quite the same upkeep.
0: The next one I've got here is so important that people understand this. So whether you're Amazon or whether you're a retailer or whether you're a construction firm or a business if you're a business which sells goods then it is going to cost you more to get those goods to where they need to be because fuel prices are going up energy prices are going up the cost of getting things to different places are going up it costs more to fly things to different places now because you can't fly over certain countries so there's so many costs increasing Everybody is having increased costs, and at some point, you are going to have to pass those costs on to a customer, otherwise, you can't function effectively as a business. And I think that is a a bit like the fact that prices are going up. At the same time, we have to make sure that our business reflects the costs that we are paying in order to then charge a higher cost to the customer.
1: How you have that conversation is you've got a few options. You may, depending on the length and depth of a relationship, be in a position of some form of transparency where you've been supplying a business for years and you say, well, look, Jeff, you've got to understand we're paying 7% more to our haulier for this. And we haven't passed 7% on to you. You're now paying 4.2% more for those items. And that might be a respectful thing to have that transparency. You might say, I certainly have not passed the whole cost on to you. And we're doing that in stages. In fact, I had a very good email this week from uh, an oil company about how they've not done that, but how it's going to be done over stages. Mm. So that's giving us warning, so that we don't just switch, because a lot of people worry that you'll switch supplier, you'll just dump someone and go to someone else. And there's a way of doing it. I remember my uncle told me years ago, he had a letter from a dentist saying, we are putting our prices up by X percent. And he worked out, it was something like, 58% 58% increase, <laughs> and more people left that dental practice than ever before. You just know ability by doing it by letter. No, can you imagine that? No. Um, so, yeah, our prices have gone up, and this is how we're dealing with it. That's what we're saying.
0: Now, the last one is so important, and you can apply this both to selling at higher prices or to higher priced items actually. Buy cheap, buy twice. Now, this is a really, really good thing to consider. Over the lockdown, There were a few things that we bought to make our life a bit easier, I remember. And one of the things I have never regretted paying for were really good Wellingtons. Okay, we've got a dog. (laughs) We've got a dog. Brilliant. We go out walking with the dog. It's without those wellies, I don't know how I would have got through the last couple of years because they're warm, they're comfortable. Yes, they cost me more. But I know, given I'm out twice a day in them, that if I hadn't bought them, I would have bought another pair in the meantime, and I would have maybe had two or three pairs over that period. So buy cheap, buy twice is so true. Jeremy, any examples Mm. from you?
1: Again, another classically middle class one coming straight back at you. Mine wasn't Wellington's. Mine was my new gorgeous squash racket, Mm. which I've justified the cost to me because it's lighter. And actually, it saves me problems with my elbow. I believe that it's gonna last me longer. I have absolutely no evidence it might last me longer. But it's the you know, the most expensive squash racket I've ever bought.
0: Do you think I have a great
1: pleasure in using it? I get it, that.
0: You know? Do you think you play better with it?
1: Yeah, it's well, completely. But well, then it's worth the money.
0: Then it's worth the money, isn't yeah, it? Yeah.
1: And and of course one of the top Egyptian players endorses it. So I feel that sort of some of his skill set comes into my frame of my body. I love that. Um,
0: I love that. Yeah. It's a bit like, a bit like snooker cues. You know, those, yeah. in the old days, you know, or oh, yes, old, um, what's his name? Higgins. Yeah, Higgins, Higgins or Stephen Hendry plays with that. He must be brilliant. I'm going to be amazing with it. No, he's got masses of skill and years of practice. Yeah. You know, you're just, you're still yeah. as hopeless regardless of the cue.
1: My brother, Simon, was telling me that in the late 70s, early 80s, because my son, Archie,'s got into dance, mm. is you would very often leave the house with your flights in your top you're pocket. Absolutely right. Yeah. And and they were all and he he had Eric Bristow flights, yes. you know, believing that when he puts the Eric flights in, he's going to get nearer to the bull. And people would go out with their endorsed <laughs> no. and say, Who, "Who's who's have you got? I've got Bristow. Oh all right, where'd you get those?
0: I loved." Do that. you remember the days when when they used to play darts? They used to play darts with a cigarette in their hand.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And they—I mean, how bizarre is that? That you—you—you'd have a sport, something that's ostensibly a sport, where you could actually smoke while you were playing.
1: Well, they still drink. Oh, they still drink sorry. beer. So I've seen them, you know, lakeside, mm, and it was in Milton yeah, Keynes yeah. not long ago. I think they still got the pints on the go, but I haven't. I don't think they've got the booze in snooker.
0: Uh, no they, have, they used to not
1: have. not many of them are drinking no. like Trump, Trump they're all fizzy do you water remember old
0: um, Jim uh who was the uh, the snooker oh, player oh my golly he he oh. would sometimes drink you know 30 or 40 pints
1: well mm. that's right my, my brother Simon said he counted once he drank 15 over a session that's brilliant
0: yeah. Bill Bill Werbenick. Bill Werbenick, that's Bill it
1: Ber- Bill Werbenek that's
0: it yeah Anyway, let's summarise this thing about selling at a high price.
1: Yeah, and then to help people, I'm going to go through the list. So yeah. if you've got a pen and you're running a sales meeting or whatever you're doing, you can have the list.
0: So the first thing is to accept that prices increase and to be confident about your prices. It is just so important that wherever you are selling, you believe is worth the money. And all these things we've talked about help you to see that.
1: Right. So in no particular order. Number one, you must believe it's worth more to them than the price they're paying you for it. Sales is a transference of feeling. And here's another person to look up, the wonderful Zig Ziglar. Number two, ROI, return on investment. How are they getting their money back, either as a consumer or as a business? Number three, you must objection handle, don't discount, go back into the reason why. Connects to number four, make the personalized proposition that you understand their life, and exactly how it helps them. Number five, prices may go higher. We have no idea. Number six, I'm going to go to this one now. You're here now and they may still go higher. The cost of you even getting to this point with me in a business conversation or as a consumer means, let's get on with it. Number seven, pay more for this. But by doing so, the rest of your operation costs go down or the rest of your domestic situation will be less of a cost. So you'll pay more, wash everything at a lower temperature. Number eight, our prices have gone up and I'm going to share something with you about that and you need to understand that. Number nine, you buy cheap, you buy twice. So classic Jeremy, the maths isn't working. What have I missed out? Or did we have nine? Maybe we never had 10.
0: Well, let's, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create one on the fly now. Go for it. Why and how can I sell things at high prices? Go Bob. Because you believe that every year people should pay a little bit more for everything as a point of principle. You should do. Mm. Why should your prices mm. be the same for years and years and years? How does that work? Mm. You know, every year prices go up a bit. That's a fact. So just accept it. Yeah.
1: And in business terms, that can be a closing technique. Yeah. Uh, book now before the 1st of April when our Correct. nearly natural price increase takes place. In fact, people usually want to be paid more money every year, don't they? They do. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Thank you indeed. Go sell these things at higher prices because this is a state of the world that you'll need to contend with people still need what you have and you must believe that you are helping people with whatever it is that you are doing okay cheers for now bobby thanks a lot
0: bob and jeremy's conflat. the reality podcast